Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. I feel like last week was a million years long that I was so excited when it was Wednesday and then it was Thursday and then it got to Friday and I actually felt really accomplished for making it through the week. And I went into the weekend with the mindset of like, wow, it is the weekend and I am going to do everything in my power to enjoy it. And I did. Jake was a really big trooper. We did not one but two triple dates on Saturday. We got brunch with two of my best friends from college and their boyfriends, and that was super fun. And then on Saturday night, we had two of my like best childhood friends who are actually my camp friends. Shout out Kenmont Kenwood. We had everyone come over to my apartment and we made tons of snacks and like appetizers and cocktails. We all made mezcal cocktails, which ended up being amazing. Um, but it was really cool because these are like two of my lifelong friends. And this was actually the first time that the six of us had hung out together. And it was really awesome. It was really special and great. And um, I also got to go out and film for my new Snapchat show, which launched on Saturday. Backing up, just giving some context, if you go on Snapchat and type in screening for love and hit subscribe every week or even twice a week, sometimes you will see me out on the streets of New York City asking questions about dating to people. And the first round was so fun. I filmed in Washington Square Park, which was a kind of nice little full circle moment because that's where I filmed at Dumper Deal when I worked at Hinge. And I was asking people about um, what happens when the check comes at the end of the first date. Do they want to split it? Do they want their date to pay for it? What's the deal with that? We asked, what's the biggest lie you've ever told on your dating app profile? There was a lot. I think every single guy answered that they lied about their height, which was hilarious um, and not surprising. But there were some wild stories in there and that launched on Saturday and it's so fun and so exciting. So definitely go to Snapchat and type in screening for love and hit subscribe. And you can also follow Screening for Love on TikTok and on Instagram. So that was super fun. I appreciate everyone's support and congrats on that. And yeah, I got to go out and film again on Saturday and on Friday. And it was so much fun. I really feel amazing when I'm doing it. But it's so funny because I was super nervous actually at first. Like I was supposed to go film last Thursday um, or a week before I ended up filming and you guys, I had a full on like panic attack. Like I did not think I could do it. I knew I, I know I've done it before and it had just been so long. And I was like, I don't, oh my God, like no outfits look good on me. Like this is going to be seen by so many people. And like, I literally went through like 20 different outfits and like ended up just like sitting there hysterically crying, feeling like I could not do this. And it was really hard. It was really tough. I ended up deciding like, okay, today's not my day. I am going to, cut myself some slack and say like, I am having a bad day today and, and that's okay. And I feel off right now, but I'm going to get back out there a few days later and I'm going to do it because I know I can, and I know I'll have a great time and I know I'll feel comfortable when I'm actually doing it. I just was really anxious because it was something I, like, I really wanted it to go well and I haven't done anything like that in a really long time. And it, I wasn't in the mindset of like, I can't do it. It was just like, oh my God, what if I don't do well? What if it doesn't go well? Like it was just a big hurdle for me to get over. And once I did it, I was like, oh my God, this is great. Like I know I can do this. And, and going out for the second time was a breeze. So yeah, if you ever feel like you can't do something or like you forgot how to do something and, and you kind of freak out about that again, like cut yourself some slack. We all have days where we don't feel like our best selves. Um, updates for you on my neighbor because I know I've been giving you guys some hot and spicy updates on her dating life. So things have been like kind of on and off with the guy who we have been referring to as ghost who like went on a great date with and like she literally didn't hear from him then he came back and then she like brought up that he kind of ghosted her and, and he made more of an effort to not do that and to communicate more over text. But she was just getting really fed up about people kind of being wishy-washy and you know, like matching on dating apps and stuff and not responding or not trying to actually go on a date or going on a date, but then like not following up. And so we were like, okay, let's try something different. And guys, I kid you not, something is in the water over at Locks Club because every single one of my friends who has downloaded it, like is now literally dating somebody amazing off of it. So I was like, okay, neighbor, um, download Locks Club. Let's just experiment. Let's see what happens. And you guys, everything like a complete 
game changer. She's matching with amazing people who are all actually like starting engaging conversations with her and continuing the conversation and then asking her out on dates. And it's a completely different ballgame than what she's been dealing with on the other apps. Like these people actually are serious. They're actually looking for something. They're not just there to like swipe and ignore people and like be one foot in, one foot out. And so she has a few dates set up this week. So we're really excited for that. And obviously, like since again, like there's something amazing in the water at Locks Club, I reached out to them. I wanted to get you guys all on it because clearly it's working and it's amazing. So there is a link down below for an expedited membership review because you do have to actually apply and get approved. Again, that's probably like why it works so well because they're really like curating the community and um, no, you don't have to be Jewish to get on it. That's like something that everyone asks. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. So excited for my neighbor, excited for all of you and definitely check that out. Try it out, especially if you haven't before, like you will be mind blown at how much of an upgrade it is. And finally, you guys, last week I had two amazing dating app profile reviews. I had amazing emotional support human one-on-ones. And yeah, just a friendly reminder that if there's something going on in your dating life that you want to talk about, want to vent about, but you don't really know if you want to talk to your friends about it. Like I know sometimes talking to our friends about what's really going on can be kind of intimidating and and we feel a little like embarrassed or we just don't know that we trust our friend's judgment or if our friend is like the right person to listen. If there's anything going on, you want to talk to me about it. I am all here for you. Um, also here to help upgrade your dating app profile. Maybe they're a new locks club profile um, or whatever dating app you are using at the moment. So definitely check those out. There's always the link in my bio on Instagram, which make sure you're following seeing other people. And if you are listening on the lovely Spotify app, please on the seeing other people page, just go to the top and and click five stars. That's just takes two seconds, makes my life a lot better. Um, and if you are listening on the podcast app, please just scroll to the bottom of the show page, leave a five star rating and a nice little review. Those make me so happy. They really help when trying to pitch for sponsors, which helps me create more episodes and create more content that helps you in your dating life. All right. Today's episode, we have Ricky Close. She is known as Anxious Hearts Guide on Instagram. She also recently released a book, Anxious Hearts Guide, and we've never really done a deep dive into attachment styles. And I'm so sorry for that because that is so important. I think it is incredibly helpful and useful in figuring out how to navigate our dating anxiety, which we obviously talk about every single day since we are all anxious AF. Um, and so Ricky is seriously an expert on attachment theory, and we are going to learn all about it. We also answer some listener questions, and it is an amazing episode. So let's get into it. Summer is approaching. Wedding season is right around the corner. And if you're anything like me, that means it's time to stop ordering an unhealthy food and start cooking delicious, healthy meals at home so you can feel your best and look your best. But Alana, ordering in so much easier and everything sticks to my pan. It's not even fun to cook anymore. I hear your complaints. I've made them a million times myself, but guess what? I have a solution. It's time to ditch the chemicals with Caraway Homes' non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections so you can make healthy cooking a piece of cake. Caraway Homes' non-toxic kitchenware are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce compounds will leach into your healthy ingredients. I feel like a new person ever since getting my gray saute pan from Caraway Home. Not only does it make my whole kitchen look stunning, elevated, and adult, it actually makes cooking so much more fun and easy, and it makes me want to cook more knowing that it's non-toxic and eco-friendly. In addition to leading to the best date night ever, Caraway's cookware and bakeware products are also the perfect gift for your newly engaged friend or your friend who's getting married this summer. I have so many weddings coming up and I cannot wait to stock up all of my friends' kitchens with Caraway Homes cookware and bakeware. Visit carawayhome.com slash seeing other people to take advantage of this limited time offer of 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com, that's C-A-R-A-W-A-Y, home, H-O-M-E, dot com slash seeing other people or use code seeing other people at checkout. And we are here. We are with Ricky Close, author of The Anxious Hearts Guide and the brains behind Anxious Hearts Guide on Instagram. Ricky, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm I love so... your page. I'm super excited to be uh, here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am obsessed with your content. It's amazing for anyone who hasn't seen it. Go follow Ricky right now, Instagram.com at Anxious Hearts Guide. Um, same, mm -hmm. same on TikTok, right? 
Yeah, but I'm really, I'm, I'm not pushing TikTok as much because I'm much more active on Instagram, but um, Instagram.com, Anxious Hearts Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I am really excited for this episode. I know on the podcast, I've talked a lot about anxiety and anxious attachment, and we focused a lot on that because I was a very, very, very anxious digger, and as are many of the listeners. But um, while we are going to talk about that, I thought it'd be really great and really helpful to do a whole deep dive into attachment theory, because I think the more you know, the more you're empowered to make better choices and and guide yourself down a better path. Um, so just as we're getting started, I'd love to know how you ended up getting into this field and, and what brought you here and what yeah. made you decide, did the Instagram come first? Did the idea for the book come first? I mean, right. A lot. It's my You're origin story. It. That's what yes. we'll get into here. Um, so, um, for years and years and years, I just dated and eventually married having no idea what I was doing at all. Um, I found myself in my early thirties, uh, on the precipice of divorce. And I was like, what happened? I feel like for the most part, it felt like a pretty good, normal marriage. And then all of a sudden it just was like a house of cards that crumbled away. And, um, as soon as I got divorced, I was like, I have to find out what happened because I have no clue what went wrong here. Um, Thankfully, my saving grace was that I'm a raging bibliophile and nerd. Like I, I just, I don't sit around and watch Netflix. I read. So anyway, let's hooray for the nerds, right? There's something good about that because I grabbed every single um, relationship, psychology, um, therapy, every book, like self-help and explaining relationship dynamics that I could get my hand on. I read them. Um, in the year after I got divorced, I read 60 books. And wow. in the course of that, uh, I stumbled on attachment theory. I just happened to love psychology. So that was in there. And as soon as I read it, I even showed it to my ex-husband. And I was like, does this, does this sound familiar to you? Does this look like what happened to us? And he was like, that's it. That's what happened right on the nose. So identifying that as kind of the central puzzle piece of what went wrong, I just I just dove in. Every book on it, every research paper, everything I could get my hands on, I read and I loved it. And I found um, that the more I learned, the more my relationships were getting better and easier and more fun. And I thought, these are so wonderful. I have to share this news. But everything that I read was so dry and clinical. I'm like, how are people in their 20s and 30s going to apply this stuff? Some of these are literally research papers and statistics. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if somebody like made this stuff easy to understand? And I was telling my, my friend this. I worked in marketing at this time. I was telling my friend in marketing this. And he was like, wait a second, don't you have like a nonfiction writing degree and a graphic design degree? And right, he just started naming off all the things that I went to school for. He was like, Ricky, you're the perfect person to bring this stuff to the public. If you love it and you think it would be helpful to people, start doing it. So then I, I just did. Um, I made an Instagram account. I was like, I wonder if anyone will even care about this. And they really did. Um, the account is about to hit 50,000 followers. So it and I've, and I've found lots of other accounts now in my searching who also focus on this. And it seems like all of them too are just as passionate and excited about it. So I've found this wonderful community of therapists and writers and um, relationship gurus and coaches who just love this stuff as much as I do. And it's so much fun connecting with them and other people who struggle in their relationships around this stuff. It's, it's been such an adventure. I just love it. I'm sure. And yeah. here I am. <laughs> Here you are. No, I love that. Yeah. And I feel like you do such a good job at making the information and the research like digestible and easy for Thanks. somebody to understand and connect it back to mm -hmm. their personal life. And that's part of the reason why I really love your content and thought you'd be the perfect person for this episode. Awesome. Um, I, I got to throw it back to um, a class I took in college called Science Writing for the Public, which sounds ooh, like I know wow. everybody No, that's like exactly it. Oh, yeah, but that was it they would give us these horribly boring, um, it's a writing class, right? And they give us these horribly boring science papers and they would go make this interesting. And I was like, okay, I can do that. What, a, what an exciting challenge. And um, it was one of the most influential college classes I took because I was like, this is 
fun. Like I already am interested in this boring science stuff. How can I make other people interested in it? Uh, that and, is so yeah. cool that that is a class because yeah, that, no, that, and that ties directly into what, like what you're doing. Like that is mm-hmm. how you ended up doing this. I love it. I have a lot totally. of questions about your, your divorce story, but I want to sure. kind of lay the land first about attachment styles. So can okay, you kind of it. break it down to the basics of like, what is attachment theory and yeah. like, what are the attachment styles and how are they shaped? I know we've normalized dating apps and meeting up with strangers from the internet for dates, but that doesn't mean that we know the intentions of the people we're meeting up with. When it comes down to it, dating can still be scary. We're putting ourselves out there in really vulnerable situations with people we don't know and don't yet trust. And that isn't a recipe for the safest situation. Plus, we're often heading to dates and coming home from dates late at night. We're in cities, walking down side streets, taking public transportation, and getting into cars with drivers we don't know. I do not want any of you to feel scared going on a date or going about your daily life. And that is why I'm so excited and honored to be teaming up with Invisiware to help keep you safe. Invisiware is a female-owned startup that created bracelets, necklaces, scrunchies, keychains, and other products that each have a hidden charm. When you double-click the charm, ADT will contact up to five of your emergency contacts and optionally authorities with your location. There are also premium features offered by ADT, such as activity tracking, live video call, 24-7 chat access, and more. As soon as I found out about Invisiware, I got myself a keychain and a scrunchie that I bring with me everywhere. Nobody would ever be able to tell that these accessories aren't just there to help me look cute and trendy, but they can actually help save my life. Invisiware aims to positively empower users in feeling safe, secure, and connected. And that is exactly what I want for you when you go on your next date. Head to Invisiware.com, that's I-N-V-I-S-A-W-E-A-R.com and use code seeing other people at checkout for 10% off your order. And because I literally love everything Invisiware is doing and I so badly want you all to be safe and protect yourselves, I'm doing a giveaway on the Seeing Other People Instagram account right now. Head to Seeing Other People on Instagram and follow the simple directions to enter to win your very own accessory or piece of jewelry from Invisiware that can help save your life. Awesome. Okay, here's my test. Let's see if I can not put the audience to sleep here. So back in the 60s, this researcher named John Bowlby, he was looking at the way that infants relate to their caregivers. And he was finding in his studies that there seemed to be four distinct ways that infants between the ages of zero and 18 months were relating, um, like interacting with and behaving toward and around their caregivers. So a full 50% of the infants that he was studying, he called secure attachers. Um, this, pers- this, this group of people like had a very secure, loving relationship with their caregiver. Um, that is to say, they would cry or notice that something was wrong in their environment. And then their parent would swoop in and soothe them and everything was great. Um, The other 50% of the population he called insecure attachers, and that's where our other three groups are. Almost equally divided between, um, almost equally divided between anxious attachers and avoidant attachers. Um, There's only 5% of that group, which is combination, and I'm actually not going to talk about them today, just because they're more rare and people tend to throw themselves into that category when they hear things about it. And I, I think it's probably, unless you've been through some big T trauma, which I was listening on your last podcast um, episode, mm-hmm. your, your listeners learned about that. Unless you've been through some serious big T trauma, you're probably not a disorganized attacher. We're not going to worry about that. We've got 50% secure and 50% insecure. You're either an anxious attacher, which in a movie, that would be the people you see who are like clingy and desperate over texting, over calling, and that could be you. This will be your episode today if, if you're the one listening and relating to that. Or the avoidant attachers who are the runners and the distancers, um, they're the ones not answering their phone call, not calling people back after great dates. Um, they're the ones who are a little bit closed off and hard to talk to. These two, these two people, the runners and the clingers, tend to date each other. And that's where a lot of trouble comes up. Uh, They tend to marry each other too. And that's where my divorce story comes from. Um, And that would be attachment theory in a nutshell, I think. If you have other questions, if I didn't cover anything or anything was unclear, let me know because that helps me with my little elevator pitch. Like I can explain it to people quickly. 
No, that was perfect. So this mm-hmm. is interesting. So obviously we know the stats of like 50% of the population is secure. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think we'll come back to that later when it comes to yeah. dating and choosing partners. But I actually pulled the Seeing Other People audience just to see mm-hmm. what the attachment styles oh, where we fell there. Yeah, so, what they say? So the first question I asked was, do you know your attachment style? And 64% mm-hmm. of people said yes, which oh, that's was actually... Bad. Yeah, it was a really exciting number because I'm really glad that people have done the work and have learned that about themselves. But I do think just like knowing your attachment style, yes, that's like helpful, but how many of those people actually know like how to date? (laughs) And then so 36% of people who listen to seeing other people don't know their attachment style. So guys get ready to find out. There's so much to learn. Um, Hey, um, yourpersonality.net is my favorite resource. That's my favorite attachment theory on the internet because they let you save your results and retest later to see if the work that you're doing moves you closer to security. Wow. I wish I don't I know who runs that, that website, really cool. but their test is yeah. A plus. So I love that. So, okay. Of the 64% of people that do know their attachment style, mm-hmm. we had 18% secure, 16% okay. avoidant, and okay. 66% anxious. All right. All right. So your listeners are my people. <laughs> yep. And my people. The other anxious hearts. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Okay. So let's get into kind of how do you, how do attachment styles show up in our dating lives and mm-hmm. our relationships? And I think my first question for you, based on your story is when you started learning about this, were you able to identify different things when you and the, your partner at the time, when uh, your ex-husband mm-hmm. were dating that were kind of these like red flag moments or things that like, oh, this is what that was. Maybe that should have been a sign. Yeah. Well, just to make it even more complicated. Um, so, so we don't fall neatly into boxes, right? If I relate mostly as an anxious attacher, that doesn't mean that all I do is relate to people anxiously. Mm-hmm. And my ex-husband who falls mostly into the avoidant box, that doesn't mean that he only relates to people in avoidant manners. Um, it occurs along a spectrum. So depending on the relationship dynamics and the two people and the way that they play off of each other, secure, secure behaviors and thoughts can be more prevalent in different stages of the relationship that, right? It's all very complicated. So I'll try to, oh gosh, I don't want to make it sound like something that people can't wrap their heads around because it's, um, there's a lot that we can take away that's not complicated, right? Um, when my ex-husband and I started dating, we were much, much younger, like um, early 20s. And we related to each other securely. Um, that's not to say that we were both secure attachers, but um, we didn't have the issues bouncing off of each other and spiraling us into the darker sides of our of our psyches, right? We related to each other very securely. Things were pretty easy with him. But if I go farther back in my dating history, um, I was a hardcore anxious attacher. I would have been the date who called someone immediately, hoping that they liked me before I even knew who they were. Um, I would chase, I would chase guys like relentlessly. I'm like ashamed when I think of that now, but it shouldn't be because it's super common. Um, I would be the one who would like water down my personality. I would take on all their like activities and pastimes to try to make myself more like them and more likable. So when I look back earlier than my ex-husband, I see myself as a very anxious dater. Um, when I met my ex-husband, we were, we were friends in college. And I think because we had such a strong friendship, I didn't feel so nervous around him. So we had a good solid foundation. Um, it wasn't until we'd been married for years and years and years that we both kind of devolved into our, like I went back into that anxious state because of the trouble between us. And he went back into that avoidance state, which he also like, that was kind of his role before me when he was dating too. He was a guy who wasn't that interested in relationships, wouldn't really call people back. And it's like, it's only after the years of trouble that we ended up sinking back into those things that we had never addressed. 
Yeah. So, okay. You were, you were becoming more anxious as you had been and, and him for more avoidant. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Like anxious people and avoidant people find each other and it's not yeah. necessarily the best situation. So can you talk a little it's bit about rough. that? <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, and this can happen. This can happen immediately or after years and years of being together and having troubles. Um, we have a way that we tend to get when when the stuff hits the fan, right? If if someone is relating to you in a secure way and they're calling you back and everything feels great, you have great rapport between each other, things are going to feel nice and you're not going to have that anxiety rising in you, right? But when somebody sets off the things that stress you out, maybe they're very slow to text back, maybe they're kind of critical. Um, my tendency is to devolve into anxious attachment. And that's why I call myself an anxious attacher. An avoidant attacher is going to get a little bit more distant. Um, What we're all looking for here is safety. Um, Gosh, that's getting even deeper into it. Hit me with that question again, because now I feel like I'm down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Anxious avoidant loop, what's going on there? (laughs) Right, okay, great, great. We call that the anxious avoidant trap. And that is because the, the things that raise my anxiety is if somebody is being very distant, being very closed off, being very critical. Um, those are the things that set me off, but they're also the things that attract me. So I'm going to find myself running towards someone who's doing those things that set me off. The avoidant attachers are the things that set them off is someone trying to get too close too soon, somebody wanting to talk to them as soon as they're available, right when they walk in the door. Um, Someone going for very intimate questions or wanting lots of affection or physical contact. Those things set them off and raise their anxiety, but it also draws them. What we're doing is um, confirming our worldview. An anxious attacher's worldview is that no one will ever get as close to me as I need them to. And so when we find people in the wild who confirm that for us, it feels familiar and it feels like love, unfortunately. And for avoidant attachers, their worldview is that everyone wants to get too close to me and take away my independence. And when they find people that do that, that confirms their worldview and that feels like love. So that's why those people find each other, set each other off. And um, if if your listeners are finding themselves in relationships that feel like crap, but they can't seem to get themselves out of it, that might be what's going on. They might be caught in that spiral of setting each other off, but not being not being able or willing to jump out of that loop. Yeah, you know, it's interesting hearing you explain this. It sounds like most of the relationships are not relationships, but dating situationships and scenarios yeah. I was in when I was single because Absolutely. yeah, it's it's finding that person who like, we think it's going so well with, but they only validate mm-hmm. us like once a week over text. And yeah. the rest of the time, we're just like, why aren't they texting us back? Like, ooh, like, okay, like, yeah. should I not send this other text? Like, okay, they said this, like, what does that mean? Why haven't they asked me to hang mm-hmm. out yet? But, and, and like, we drive ourselves crazy. But then the second they totally. do ask us to hang out, we're like, okay, it's going well. Like we can forget about the last week. Yeah. And and they're uh, like, oh, like, I don't even... really want to text this much, like, but I'm going to do it. Cause like, it's kind of, this could work, but I'm not really going to give them that much. Like I need a little more space. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Well, the even worse thing is that that kind of intermittent reinforcement is like the most addictive thing there is. Yep. Like consistency is boring and our brain goes, okay, I've got this figured out. But when you're only... When you're pulling that, um, you know, that, that handle on the gambling machine and it's only going off once every 10 times, that's when your brain gets the biggest dopamine hit. And it's almost like, it's almost like being physically addicted to these people. So I know that a lot of my, a lot of the folks on my Instagram will message me and they'll be like, I feel like I'm addicted to him. And I'll be like, you might be right. You literally are very similar to addiction. Yeah. It's crazy how that happens. And it's really mind blowing that it like dates back to how we were raised and, and our relationship with our caregivers. And I think that's really Mm -hmm. fascinating because we don't often think about it because we don't really remember it. (laughs) If you are anything like me and you are going on a date, you're probably like nervous, but also excited, but just like really want to have a good time. Don't want to screw anything up. And you get like the pre-date jitters. 
Um, for me, there were two things that I would do to help with those pre-date jitters. I would always call a friend for a little pump up speech. And I would also take a happy gummy from Mindset Wellness CBD before my date. It would help me stay in the right mood, being excited, being present, but it would also take away that layer of nerves that was going to stop me from being my best self on the date. I love the happy gummies. They are incredible. They taste great. They don't make you feel high or anything like that. They just make you feel like the best version of yourself. So try them today. Definitely recommend trying them before a date. Mindsetwellnesscbd.com. Use code seeing other people at checkout. That will get you 20% off and free shipping. No, we don't. And I want to throw out too, um, the, I always like saying this cause I, I hate thinking that I'm on here, like making people blame their parents for stuff. Um, I have two siblings and, and they have the same parents, right. And they are not anxious attachers. So if it was purely the job that our parents did that made us this way, all siblings would be the same. Right. And I want to say that it's not, I came out of the womb anxious, so, so imagine little baby Ricky, um, when I start crying and my mom's not there, like in one second flat, my anxiety, like my, like my stress hormones are like through the roof instantly. And my sister, who's like very laid, laid back and calm, you know, she could cry a little bit longer and, and not need mom to rush in before her anxiety was through the roof. So our, our disposition, just the natural way that we are combined with the way that our parents are that can make an anxious or avoidant attacher too so don't go calling your parents right now like you did this to me like not necessarily like <laughs> biology did it to you to a degree so yeah that exactly too. yeah my brother has done all well, I have two older brothers and one of them has done like mm-hmm. a lot of research into this and and he oh, really um, talks about all of like the ancestral trauma too that leads into it which yeah. is we won't get too deep into that because that's no, a whole that's other a whole topic. Different but story. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Though. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, question for you. Can people, mm-hmm. can it ever work between like an anxious person and an anxious person or an avoidant person and an avoidant person? Obviously, secure people. Yeah, let's not talk about secure of you, people. But... They're great. Yeah, yeah. No, too secure is like, that's like the picture perfect marriage. Yeah, live in the dream. We don't want to talk about that, right? Um, okay, I love this one. So, two avoidant people are going to be, this is two people who are like nervous and afraid of intimacy. They love their independence. They love doing their own thing. They don't want to be bothered. We see a lot of avoidant attachers hooking up with each other, but not dating. There's not enough glue to keep them invested in the relationship. So they might hook up and they might hook up a lot. They might have some like fantastic sex and everything's great as long as they only see each other once a week, once every two weeks, once every month, um, and they don't let things get too deep. So that actually happens quite a bit. Um, Two anxious attachers, on the other hand, are not like they have too much glue, so they tend to smother each other. So um, you actually, I think that's probably one of the most rare combinations, just because um, they aren't affirming each other's worldview, right? That, that people can't get close enough. Me, for example, I would go on dates and I would run into men who I recognize now were definitely anxious and their like desire to get to know me like immediately was such a turnoff. I was like, ew, right? Like why, why this, he likes me? Like I'm great, but not that great, gross. And I wouldn't want to call him back. Um, an anxious attacher bumping into another anxious attacher the more anxious one is going to drive the other one away, funnily enough. That's so you're not so going to see that much. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting because I, I definitely had been in that situation too where it, it's almost like if you can't take, like you don't dish what you can't take, but it's like, because the second somebody does show interest and they're like being mm-hmm. upfront and, and, and trying to text you, like, it's like anytime someone was like texting me too much, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. like they're coming on so strong, but it's like, oh, yeah. this is exactly what you were doing to every single guy you've ever talked totally. to. Totally. Yep. And it's uh, very normal, very normal, very common. Um, so anxious and avoidant folks tend to have a great time um, being with secure attachers, if they can handle it. If you're too anxious or too avoidant, a secure attacher attacher is also going to be a little bit off-putting because this would be like a guy who would call a normal amount. I would still be like, 
yawn, right? Like it wouldn't do anything for me. I wouldn't be turned off, but I wouldn't be turned on either. It was like too neutral to even notice. So those would be the guys that I was giving like very polite, like, hey, you're very nice, but no thanks, I'm not interested, right? I wasn't running for the hills. It just wasn't doing anything for me. And same with avoidance. When they run into women who are like, I shouldn't say women, men or women can be anxious or avoidant. But in general, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna talk for the purpose of this podcast. Like mm-hmm. most, like most of your viewers are anxious and most of your viewers are women. So most of them tend to be dating anxious, um, avoidant. avoidant men. Men. So that's how I'm gonna go for the rest of this. But you can, you know, the other categories all exist. Um, an anxious man running into a secure woman is also gonna feel like a tad bored and probably not be very responsive to her. So the two, the two that are like the worst possible combination, um, they're going to feel a lot of fire and a lot of passion. They're also going to have a lot of issues with each other. So clearly, I don't have to tell your listeners that. Yeah. Um, but it can work between them too. And that's part of the reason that I made this account also. Um, every man that I've ever truly loved in my life has leaned or been completely avoidant. And I was like, in the beginning, do I just need to find someone who's secure? Am I doomed unless I can find a secure attacher? But you're not, as long as both people are aware of this stuff and working on it. Um, I'm currently in a wonderful relationship right now with a man who's definitely avoidant. And because we're both aware of how this works, we're both working on it. We have a great relationship. So it's, it's totally possible. There's hope. I love hearing that because I do feel like mm-hmm. some of what's out there is like, okay, like the only way to solve the problem is like find someone who's secure. And it's like, well, all the secure yeah. people I know are already in relationships yeah, because totally. they're they secure. They do tend to be. They tend yeah. to be in relationships and stay in them a lot longer. And unfortunately, the older we get, the dating pool gets more and more full of avoidance who have a harder time being in relationships. Yeah. So it's really remarkable. You look at the dating pool of 30 year olds and 40 year olds, and it's a majority avoidant. So not to scare the 20 somethings (laughs) who are panicking right now, but um, avoidance are absolutely not hopeless. They're, they're no less hopeless than anxious attachers. And they're very dateable as long as they understand what's going on and they're willing to work on it. So in terms of working on it, what does that Mm -hmm. look like? Let's say let's start with like, I'm someone who is, or actually whichever way it goes, like if you're dating somebody who's avoidant, like how can mm-hmm. you work through that together? I guess either dependent right. of your attachment style or not dependent of that. Right. Well, I talk about this in my book too. The most important thing for us to focus on always is ourself. Like if, like, I know a lot of people are listening to this one right now today thinking like, how can I use this to fix my partner? Like, like trash that thought right now. Like that's extremely unhealthy. Um, the most important thing that we can do is take care of our side of the street. You'll hear a lot of therapists say that too. We need to focus on the issues that we're contributing to our dating dynamic or our relationship. So if you're an anxious attacher, the most important thing that you can do, the most important thing that you can do is learn about anxious attachment. Knowing what the behaviors and thoughts are that come from anxious attachment and not from reality are one of the things that are going to help you step outside of that, those terrible thoughts and behavior and be more secure, even if you don't feel like that. And it's the same with the avoidance. When they learn about why they're distancing, why they're having critical thoughts about their partner out of the blue. Um, they, that's when they can start to make a choice. Is this how I want to be in my relationship? Is this how I want to bring the relationship down? Or do I want to recognize that these are thoughts and feelings that come from somewhere that's kind of damaged in me and I don't have to believe them and I don't have to follow them? Yeah, I love that. And I think mm-hmm. that is so empowering. Like you said, like learning about mm-hmm. it is the best thing you can do. If Absolutely. you can identify like, okay, this isn't coming from me. Like, yes, it's coming from you, but there's a reason that it's right. coming. And it's going to come like regardless <laughs> right. of who your partner is. Those questions, those thoughts are just going to keep popping up. And yeah. it's it's up to you whether or not to to feed those and to give into those. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, the more you know about like, 
where these things are coming from, the more you can do something about it. Yes, um, the more power. Um, the other thing I always advocate for is journaling. I know not everyone is super into journaling. For me personally, writing down those those crazy thoughts that I would have, um, writing down my insecurities, being able to see them on paper and really analyze them was helpful. It helped me separate them from these are things that feel real in my head to these are things that I'm thinking that I can look at on paper and decide, okay, does that sound nuts? Is this who I want to be? Journaling is great for that. I need to call out that you're, I think, the third or fourth guest in a row to mention journaling. And really? So to oh, anyone well, listening, powerful. if you guys yeah. are still sitting there at, like a ball of anxiety and you have not yet yeah. actually tried journaling, pick up a pen and shot. pick up a notebook or just open your <laughs> notes app in your phone. Like, just yeah. do it. Oh, I love the it. notes app in my phone. It's so full. Um, the very first assignment in my book is buy a journal. that's what I tell my readers in there. I say, go out, buy a journal right now, because it might not work for you, but it'll probably do some good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So one question that, um, I have a few listener questions I want to get to, but one question that I was curious about, and I do think I saw something about this on your Instagram is how Mm -hmm. do you get an avoidant partner to open up? And yeah, I love that question. One (laughs) of the things that's interesting about that question is I feel like it kind of goes back to like, well, focus on yourself. But Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. you are in a partnership with someone who's really avoidant and and you're focusing on yourself, but you do need to assist that person. Right, right. So I guess um, the first thing we need to address is motivation, right? If If your primary motivation is to change someone's behavior, um, that's codependency. That's toxic. Don't do that, right? Your primary motivation should be improving relationship health, right? The, din- the dynamic between both of you. And so following along with that, the best way to get an avoidant partner to open up, somebody who's a little bit closed off, likes their space, likes their independence, doesn't want to talk about issues in the relationship, is to work on healing your anxious um, behaviors and thoughts. And I know that, like, I know everybody listening to that who's anxious is like, oh, that's totally not going to work. I'm working hard at this. But it's like, if your partner's still resistant, you're probably not working as hard as you should be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let me give a concrete example, because I know those helped me when I was when I was more anxious. Um, when I overly focused on whether or not my partner was talking to me, about things, that's when I would tend to send too many text messages. That's when I would ask him as soon as he walked into the room, is anything wrong? We haven't really had any big talks in a while. You seem very closed off. That's not an anxious attacher who's working on their stuff, right? Part of working on your anxious attachment is building up your independence and focusing on making your own life great because we as anxious attachers really kind of suck at that. So if I'm more focused on surrounding myself in my life with things that light me up, pursuing hobbies that I love, spending more time with friends, if I'm focused on those things, my avoidant attacher is not going to feel so attacked and smothered. They're going to start opening up naturally because that's when they start pursuing you. So I really start saying motivation is important because if your laser focus is on them and what they're not saying, you're already in the wrong ball field. You need to be Mm -hmm. playing on a completely different field and focusing on making your own life great. And that's not, and and here's the thing. If they don't come join you in that, that's not the partner for you. And I know so many people right now are like, shoot, that's not what I wanted to hear. But it's, it's true. Like if you're off making yourself healthy, finding things that light you up, enjoying your life, bringing good things to the relationship anyway, despite what your partner's doing, and they're still not showing up, that's a sign for you. That's a sign for you that that person is probably not contributing to your life in a fantastic way. Um, Someone who is avoidant, but healthy enough to be in a relationship that feels good is going to see you doing those things for yourself, finding your passions. You're out on a bike, you're out on a hiking trail with friends, you're at the movies, watching movies that you love with them. You're at home working on your career, working on 
I don't know, you're journaling furiously because we yes. told you to, right? They're going to see those things and they're going to go, this person looks like a safe source. This person looks like someone that I can open up to. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. And I also love what you said about like finding those hobbies, learning those things that you like to do that you, that like make you feel more like yourself because yes, Mm -hmm. that's something that you can do while you're in a relationship to make sure that you are continuing to like improve yourself. But that's also something you can do while you're dating. If you're listening to this and you're single right now, I know most of you are like, I think that's the best thing you can do because especially when we're anxious, all we're focused on is the fact that we are single, Mm -hmm. you know, like we want to find that person so badly, but in finding ourselves even more and on a deeper level while we're single, that I think just sets you up for such like better success when you do get into a relationship. Absolutely. More health. You bring more health to a potential relationship. Makes you a more attractive partner to anybody, avoidant or secure attachers. Absolutely. Is it possible to identify, I guess, earlier on if someone's attachment style is compatible with yours? Like, obviously you could ask someone like, Hey, like what's your attachment style, but without doing that, like how, what are some things you can use to kind of figure that out earlier on? Um, so you can Mm -hmm. maybe like avoid some of that potential pain later. I've actually changed my opinion on how to, how to do this over the years. In the beginning of all my research, yeah, in the beginning of all my research, I was like, hey, anxious attachers, and I've deleted these posts since then, hey, anxious attachers, here are ways that you can identify avoidant attachers in the wild and stay away from them. That was my, that was my standpoint. But now here I am in this wonderful relationship with a man who still, even if he took a test today, would test as an avoidant. Um. So I say, instead of trying to figure out what someone else's attachment style is, which I also have changed my opinion on, and I think is kind of invasive, I think that what we need to do is we need to find people who exhibit healthy relationship behaviors and ask ourselves, is, is the way that they're showing up in this working for me? That's that's all you need. You don't have to worry about what kind of attacher they are. Is the way that they're showing up working for me? When I voice things that I prefer, when I voice ways that I want my relationship to look, when I voice things that I need, when I voice things that bother me, are they responding in a way that makes me feel good and glad that I'm here? Or are they responding in a way that doesn't work for me? If you go off of that, it doesn't matter what attachment style they are. Like look for what feels, makes you feel like I enjoy being here. This works well. And um, that's all you have to worry about. Like, like in the beginning of my relationship, my current partner was not acting or thinking or talking in ways that worked for me. And because I'm anxious, I stuck it out, right? I was still there working at it. Um, But now if I tried to date him right now in the way that he was in the beginning, I would know that I, that I would have just left, which is fine, which is fine because um, I, you don't want to date a project. I hate having to tell women that because I was that woman who was like, but I love projects. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's like, oh, but, but I can help them. Like right, they're hurting. Right. Like I'm I need to save them. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. I was exactly the same way. <laughs> but honestly, we're, by doing that, we're abandoning ourselves. And um, it's not a healthy dynamic. It's not good for them either. Helping somebody to get better is not a sustainable thing for them because then as soon as you're gone, they go right back to the ways that they were. So anyway, that's a depressing note. But I, yeah, I say it's the same thing that I learned in school for writing too. Stop asking, is this good or is this bad? And start asking, does this work? And if it doesn't, why not? That's perfect. Yeah. That's such an amazing Mm -hmm. way to approach it. And then to kind Mm of filter things through instead of does this, is this good or bad? Yeah. Um, okay. Question for you. So I know the answer, but I guess I, (laughs) I want to, I want everyone else to know the answer of, is it Mm -hmm. possible to change your attachment style? Cause I know some people are going to be sitting here feeling like, Oh, like I do text a lot. Like, Oh, I do overthink all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Like I do come on too strong. Like, Oh man. And and I know, like you said before, like you used to look back and like feel shame around that. And, and I do the same, but it's so normal. It's something that like 
so many people do and and no Mm -hmm. one's alone in those feelings but I know we Mm -hmm. all also want to be better because it doesn't feel good sometimes to totally (laughs) it feels horrible 100% it is absolutely possible to change and heal your attachment style I'm not going to say that if you're all the way at the end of the attachment spectrum if you are super 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 anxious or super 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 avoidant I don't want to tell someone that it's possible for them to be all the way secure right Mm -hmm. um it does occur on a spectrum if you're too far on one end you may not end up being the most secure dater ever but with lots of work like I want to say I was all the way at the end of the anxious spectrum when I started every single bullet point that I was reading about I did and I did it big right I would text 42 times in a row like I cannot believe you're not texting me back right now I was that person so to even with all the work I've done I'll probably always have little anxious thoughts in the back of my mind but I want to say no matter how anxious or avoidant you are with work on this stuff you can Find yourself in that secure quadrant. If you're going on yourpersonality.net, they put you in a quadrant, right? And if you can get yourself into the secure quadrant, anybody's going to have a great time dating you. So it won't matter if you're still a little bit anxious, you're a little bit avoidant. If you can get yourself up into the secure quadrant, you're going to be a good person to date for any attachment style. Totally. So yes, and it's totally emphasis, possible. It takes work. Em- emphasis on it takes work. It doesn't just it takes happen. A lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm still working. I still research this stuff all the time and find myself slipping back into anxious type behaviors. But thankfully also I have a partner who knows about this stuff so he can call me out on it. He knows how to comfort me, right? Two people working on it. It's totally doable. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so important to learn about it and so that you can communicate mm-hmm. about it and, and learn about theirs so that you know how to support them and, and yeah. vice versa. Oh yeah. That's huge too. I definitely, I used to just absolutely hate him when he would start in, in on his avoidant behaviors. I would I just seethe with hate. I would be calling my best friend, like, can you believe what he did? Like, and once I started researching and writing about this, I understand it now. So now I know that when he distances, he's feeling unsafe or he's mm-hmm. feeling like he needs to shore up his independence before he can meet me in a healthy way. I also let him know like, hey, this was a really long absence. You know what that does? You know what that does to my heart, dude? Like, don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. let me know next time. And now he'll be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I won't do that again. To where in the beginning, that would just be like an ignored text. <laughs> yeah. And, but it sounds um, like you're doing it in a really healthy way that isn't going to push him further away, which I'm sure took no. a lot of work to get there, but that's so Oh important. my gosh, so much work. Yeah, yeah. so much work. Um, the, um, that's nice too. Learning about yeah. this stuff, which I, what I said before was the best way to improve your attachment style. Um, totally. There are ways that you can learn to talk to your significant other that don't set them off too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite account on Instagram, the secure, um, the secure relationship. She's wonderful. That account's going to be a, a million in no time here. Um, she posts lots and lots of scripts, and mm. scripts are very handy because I know um, in the household that I grew up in, we were not talking to each other in respectful ways that didn't rile up our attachment styles. Right, um, learning ways to talk to people that make them feel like respected and validated and secure um it keeps you from going into that spiral in the first place yeah and them too it's fantastic yeah all right a few more quick listener questions before I let you Mm -hmm. go um how (laughs) someone asked how do I know if they're pushing me away because they're avoidant and it's in their nature or because they actually want to push me away Oh, I love that. I got that question the other day too. I wonder if it was the same, huh. <laughs> if it was the same person. Um, okay. I love this. If someone's pushing you away, ask. And I know people are like, I'm not going to do that. But for real, like if you're interested in having a relationship with this person, like, hey, I notice it kind of feels like, like you might be pushing me away a little bit. And I, I, I'd love just like a straight up answer. Like, are you interested in this? Are you trying to push me away because you're not interested or did something bother you? 
somebody who's genuinely interested and wants to be with you will talk about that. And honestly, if they can't talk about that, they're not healthy enough to be in a, to be in a healthy, good relationship. But someone who is not really interested, they're either going to blow you off or they're going to give you a real wishy-washy answer. They might like the attention, right? So see how the answer that they give you makes you feel, right? If you feel blown off, if you feel ignored, if you feel minimized, if they're like, you're, that's crazy, you're imagining it. Um, yeah, I would say that would be something that's not working, right? But if yeah. someone's like, ah, oh, I kind of do that. I kind of find myself like running away. Like you were kind of coming at me with questions and I don't know why I do that. That's somebody who's willing to have a dialogue about it, even if they're showing unhealthy behavior, right? It's funny because hearing you explain, like just ask the question and, and how you were able to mm -hmm. phrase it so like mm -hmm. easily. It's funny because we make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Oh you know, my like gosh. We're sitting there so texting all of our friends, like staying up all what night, staring at the mean? ceiling. Like, why? Like, am I coming on too yeah. strong? Are they pushing? Is, is this deeply rooted yeah. in how their caregiver raised them? Yeah, or, like, no. Just stop ask. psychoanalyzing them. Leave just that up to their therapist and ask. ask. Just mm -hmm. ask. Beautiful. Yep. Um, okay. Um, oh, hey. And if on that note, if you can't ask, it's time for you to go see your therapist, right? Because that's a secure, healthy relationship behavior. When I noticed my partner or a potential date doing something that, that bothers me, I need to be healthy enough to speak up for myself and ask. Not my best friend, not my sister, not my mom. I need to be able to confront them directly with what's bothering me. Absolutely. Um, okay, this is a question that I guess is coming from someone who may be avoidant. Um, mm -hmm. How awesome. can I try again with a girl that I may have pushed away by being needy and in my own head? Oh, or maybe well, it's an anxious person. If yeah, that needy. sounds like an anxious person. Yeah. Um, acknowledging the behavior is very comforting for avoidance, right? If I'm able to come to my boyfriend and say, hey, I was kind of like all up in your face with my needs the other day. Like I noticed myself doing that. And I bet that made you feel totally smothered. And I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm acknowledging it. Um, when they can see that you're aware of your behavior and how it affects them, that's super comforting. They're going to be a lot more responsive. So taking ownership for the way that we, the way that we are, that's troublesome is good. Um, but also I encourage that reader to look at what they were doing and, um, they could ask their therapist or a friend if the way that they were behaving truly was needy. Anxious mm -hmm. attachers do tend, we tend to blame ourselves for things needlessly, right? If I call, if I call a guy after 24 hours of him not talking to me, that's not needy. That's like so normal. It's not even funny. So make sure that you're not accusing yourself of neediness when you're not necessarily being needy. That's a tough line to, to, to toe, but, um, a therapist or a friend can, can tell you like, Hey, like sometimes my sister would say, yeah, that actually was a little psycho of you, Ricky. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Right. Tell somebody who's going to give you the honest truth. Um, totally. I've definitely to, done psycho things. I've definitely done mm -hmm. psycho things in the yeah. past. And, and I always <laughs> like to say like, it's okay to have needs. We all have yeah. needs and there yeah. is a difference between having needs and being needy. Absolutely. And, um, being needless not having any needs at all is super unhealthy. So don't strive for that. It's good to have needs. I've never I don't been want to be in a relationship ever. No. <laughs> yeah. Can confirm. Some people have. Yeah. So it's good to yeah. have needs. Don't, don't wish them away. Don't try to not have needs. It's they're good. If you're acting in a way that you're embarrassed about, that's an indicator that you might be pushing that line into too much. Yeah. And it's okay. Like we've all been there and I think don't be too hard on yourself for no self-compassion is a big yeah, part of learn security. from it and, and grow from it and mm -hmm. try not to do it in the future. And if you do it again, <laughs> again, just recognize yeah. that you don't like how that felt and you want to be right. better in the future. And there's no perfection. I'm, I'm years into working on this and writing about it and studying about it. And I still find myself, um, slipping into those behaviors sometimes. But Absolutely. I acknowledge it with my partner. I say, hey, yes. I noticed myself doing that. I'm sorry. How I, Did that affect you in a bad way? I didn't mean to do that. For sure. All right. One last question for you. I love to ask okay, my guests this. 
Um, mm-hmm. what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever gotten? Oh gosh, so many now. The best piece of dating advice that I've ever gotten or read about. It doesn't have to be something that somebody told me, right? Totally. That's the best piece in general. I think, I think the coolest thing, the thing that I wish I could tell my younger self is that relationships are supposed to make you feel better a majority of the time. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't believe that when I was younger. I honestly thought that love is supposed to be all these ups and downs and it's supposed to be hard. Love is hard work, right? Um, In a secure and healthy relationship, love should make your life easier and better most of the time. Not 100% of the time, but like well over 50. So if, if you're in a relationship that is not improving and making your life easier more than 50% of the time, you've got work to do. I love it. Perfect note to end on. Ricky, thank you again so much for being here. I know we shouted out in the beginning, but where can people find you and where can people find your book? Yeah, wonderful. Anxious um, anxious Hearts Guide on Instagram, all one word. Um, I spend every day there. That's, that's my happy place. Um, I do dabble in TikTok, but um, Instagram's the place to go. Uh, the link on my Instagram bio has links to my book and my Patreon. Every month I put out a Patreon article about anxious attachment. So that's kind of excited, exciting if you like Patreon and uh, those go straight to your email. But if you want my, my book, The Anxious Hearts Guide, which is about healing your anxious attachment, uh, the link in the bio on Instagram will get you there. Perfect. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you again so much. Don't forget to give a five-star rating and review, follow Ricky, check out her book and send this episode to a friend who needs to hear it because I know that half of your group chat probably is also anxiously attached and needs to hear it. (laughs) Or more, or more. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Groups, little groups, group chats of anxiety all around. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.